Hey everybody, Ray Lucchese here. Welcome to another sponsored episode of the Greybeards on Storage podcast, a show where we get Greybeards bloggers together with storage assistant vendors to discuss upcoming products, technologies, and trends affecting the data center today. This Greybeard on Storage episode is again brought to you today by Racktop Systems. <clears throat> And now it's my great pleasure to once again introduce Jonathan Helstuck, co-founder and CTO of Racktop Systems. Jonathan, this is our last in our pod, Racktop podcast series. And as always, we appreciate the support. Jonathan, why aren't traditional security approaches sufficient anymore? I think it's all because the world's changed and because people predominantly relied on perimeters and doors to protect their critical soft GUI core, which is where they keep their data. And what we've seen is that a lot of the cybersecurity industry has been born out of the network and perimeter type defenses. But things like insider threats and other uh, ways of getting inside the network and past those perimeter defenses show that you need a solution that's going to protect your data wherever it resides. And you know, I believe you want to put those protections as close to the data as possible. Because when you think about it, the bad guys are after your data. They're not trying to steal your network. They're trying to steal your data. So in the traditional sense, you're thinking perimeter security, network security, those sorts of things that kind of uh, eliminate people from getting into the system. But there's more than just exterior threats in this world today. Exactly. You have to kind of assume even that exterior threat eventually is going to look like an insider. They're going to gain internal credentials or something or try to become internal either by remote network means or physical uh, means by you know a physical intrusion into the office space or things like that and so i think people really have to think about the new threat landscape that exists today versus in the 90s yeah 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 so that new threat is much more uh landscape is much more serious than it used to be and much more prevalent than and and um yeah. predominant or or I was going to I think, say popular, but actually more frequent. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more frequent. I think I think people, because largely people are naive or have been previously about what you know people are willing to do and the sophistication level of these adversaries and hackers and criminal organizations. Right? There's nation state actors, which are you know state bodies that try to go and steal secrets, excuse me, or do other things to. Uh, to meet their means, right? And sometimes that's stealing data. Sometimes that's doing things to steal money to fund programs. You know, like North Korea might be doing all of their a lot of their stuff to steal secrets, but also to uh, you know get money to fund weapons of mass destruction, for instance. Other organizations and states might be looking for intellectual property or secrets on citizens. And then you have criminals that do things on behalf of them to make money because they're getting paid to do that. And then you actually have criminals that are out for their own benefit often to make money through means of either selling intellectual property, selling information about people. And so what we've seen is people kind of realize that's a problem, but what instead of thinking about, okay, how is the adversary or how are today's hackers going about trying to steal this data, they're really just kind of spending and making more investments in more of the same things that they've made in the past. And so you're seeing people invest or do things they're comfortable doing instead of looking at the problem and saying, I need to change my approach. We need new technologies, new tools to defend against a hacker in 2023 and even something different potentially in 2024, right? I'm not saying you don't want to do those other things, but you need to do more. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's what you mean by traditional approaches. The people have been doing all along these sorts of uh, things that seem to have worked in the past, but in, yep. in the in the current time, where state uh, actors and other very sophisticated organizations are going after their data, uh, it's a different world today. Yeah, those approaches aren't sufficient alone. And, and let me give you an example. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You're going to run endpoint and virus on your de- on your laptop or desktop. You still want to do that, right? You want to detect any sort of malware or something bad as soon as it gets onto your device. So that makes sense to have that type of protection. You want to have perimeter, you know, network security to keep the bad stuff out that you can. And then now you got to take it a step further, right? First things people started to do was they, you know, implemented multi-factor authentication. Do I think you should do that? Yes, that's definitely good. However, we've seen in the past, there's ways people get around multi-factor authentication. People will SIM swap your phone to try to get access to your email. They'll take over your email and then they'll, you know, bias the multi-factor authentication or they'll do man and mineral attacks. So now they get past those different things. So now it's the next layer and they're after the data. So just like you want to put that antivirus on your endpoint, you need to put some active protections on the data storage itself, right? We want not just passive protections of shipping logs to something else, but active security that's in real time looking at how that data is being accessed by users' applications and being able to alert on it for one thing, but also proactively stop and prevent those attacks at, you know, before they become a big problem. We've talked before about some of the things that Racktop uh, Systems is capable of doing, and, and a lot of that seems to be you know, almost at the storage level, understanding I/O patterns and and uh, and looking at what's going on from an administration perspective and trying to uh, trap and trigger these things. But you also have sort of like uh, I'm not sure it's antivirus, but you know, uh, procedural you know specifications for what sort of things people are doing to try to get around security and things of that nature. I'm not sure what the terminology would be. Yeah, it's almost like you could, it kind of aligns itself more to user entity behavior analytics. How are people interacting with the data? So it's obviously you can scan for malware and stuff that's stored, right? But usually once you're detecting data that's bad, like malware or virus, it's it's too late. Too it's kind of, <laughs> it's there, right? So really what you want to do is detect the bad behaviors, how users or an application is interacting with the data, how they're operating on the files. Are they opening a lot of files? That could be some, and reading them, that could be something like data exfiltration. Are they opening, reading, and then encrypting the file and deleting previous copies? Well, that behavior looks like ransomware. So we want to block that type of behavior. So it's more entity and behavior analytics or user activity monitoring. And and there's two parts of that. One is user activity monitoring to understand how users interact with the files and, and understand and get a view of what's happening in your environment so you can make decisions. And then the other part is moving towards AI and automation so that you can detect this malicious and bad behavior automatically and in you know that sub-millisecond speed, not send this data to some other third-party tool that's going to churn through a bunch of logs, and then hopefully somebody's going to go look at that and, and detect it. That also is too late. It has to be much more near time today, right? Because... A lot of times people don't really understand kind of the the way attacks work and people ransomware is very popular today. So I'll just talk about that a little bit and, okay. and kind of how how kind of that attack profile looks and how and where you want to stop that and why you want to stop that early. So let's say somebody, you know, clicks on a phishing email or something like that. With that phishing email, they basically now have beaconed out to a command and control center that says, 
hey, you, you now have control of my laptop, essentially, right? And so now the, the adversary says, oh, I have, a, I have a laptop inside that network that I can use and control. And I have credentials that are, are, are a significant amount. So I'm going to basically go in there and then I'm going to escalate and see if I can get into an admin level credential. Well, I look around on that laptop and it happens that that laptop has local admin accounts and things like that. So I escalate privilege. So now I have admin credentials so I can go around and look on the network. I can talk to AD and I can do other things. They start to do things like look for data they might want to steal. You know, cr- a criminal type organization, they might be looking for, you know, uh, cryptocurrency wallets or private keys or those one-time password keys that people download for multi-factor authentication that they're supposed to save in case they lose their credentials and things like that. So they want all that information and any other sensitive information. So first, they're going to look around for all that. And then when they feel they've gotten enough of that and they've exfiltrated that data, right, then they might say, hey, what's on a ransomware cam- uh, campaign or extortionware campaign against this organization? That's at the moment where they start to download the payload that has the malware. That's the only time where they're bringing the malware into the environment that you're going to detect with something like an endpoint agent or something else, possibly, assuming they detect it. And then from there, they're going to launch that ransomware attack against those file shares. And so you can see that you want to be able to detect that earlier. When you really want to detect that is, of course, when they start to you know, the phishing email gets clicked, but, or you want to prevent that. But let's say you don't get to that point. Now they're looking around the network with admin credentials, looking for data to steal. You want to be able to detect that. And those are the things that we can detect with what we're doing because we're analyzing how, you know, users and, and applications are interacting with the data stored on us. So when we see an admin credential be used, that wasn't prior proved to be doing that type of work, we can set a flag and then it can be looked at very quickly. If all of a sudden that admin credentials used to read a lot of data or delete a lot of data, we can even block that so that somebody can investigate it further before it goes more. And it can alert the existing security uh, operation center infrastructure, the knock infrastructure. But we want to do that very quickly. And if they eventually get to the point where you know they do start to encrypt the data, we want to stop that encryption attack very early before they you know encrypt a lot of files and not only that, we want to be able to get them to that pre-attack state very quickly by showing, hey, these were the files that got encrypted before we stopped it. Delete this file from the live file system and restore the pristine file from the pre-attack phase using our immutable snapshots. This is the version you want. Not here's all the snapshots available. This is a specific file in the snapshot you should restore to so that you can get everything back to where it was very quickly. And go ahead. So two things about that. Number one is that um, you've got uh, quite a lot of sophistication for recovery that's built into the system to try to recover after the fact that things start. And you've detected the problem. You've stopped it from happening. But there's a certain amount of, you know, things have gone on at this point. And uh, and your solution, Racktop Storage, uh, provides uh, identification of what, uh, what files may be corrupted and how to go about fixing them. That's right. And so you're going to have that through our user activity monitoring, or we call user behavior analysis. We're going to basically show you historically everything that happened. So we're going to show you, hey, these are the files to restore and what's happened. But you can also look further back to say, hey, what was happening with this account? Or what did this user do or this account do prior to the time we detected the ransomware attack? So I mentioned about the time when they were looking at data, reading files and things like that. You'd want to know that too to see, hey, what data could have been stolen or compromised if it, if we didn't alert or stop that uh, prior to it. 
Yeah, yeah. And the other thing was um, that malware is often the last thing that happens before the uh, uh, literally the stuff hits the fan kind of thing. I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't apparent to me that uh, a lot of a lot of security breaching has already gone on long before the malware hits hits the system. Exactly. The average is basically nine months that they're on your network doing things before they launch that attack or they're detected like that. So think so. There's they're they're trying to avoid being noticed, right? And so they're not going to bring those payloads and malware that they think are likely to raise alarms and except for very brief times when they have to. And they quickly try to cover their tracks as well, right? Once they bring that in, they're going to quickly delete it. They don't leave that stuff lying around because they know that those are signatures and indications that of compromise. So they want to minimize that exposure. And so they tend to use it and clean it up as quickly as possible. That's interesting. So they're actually cleaning out the malware after it's, after oh, it's yeah. done its dirty <laughs> job. And, and uh, so you hardly even, you know, the, the exposure there is fairly limited uh, to see it. And then by that, by that time it's too late that exactly and that's why you know i have a chart that i kind of show where the latency leads to bigger destruction you want to detect that 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 breach or compromise as early as possible to reduce the threat window so if if for instance you're detecting bad behavior by scanning your backups or your air gapped copy looking for malware as an indication of compromise it's too late you're it's already happened because and you might even miss it because it's so so quickly in and out. <laughs> yeah, they might they might be you know shorter than your your recovery point objectives. So. Right, 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 right. Well, if you've got a chart, give it, send it to me. I could certainly put it in the podcast. As well, that'd be great. Podcast posts and stuff like that. So, talk to me a little bit about. Uh, so, we've talked at length actually about some of the user behavior analysis and stuff that goes on. But how is that stuff you know maintained? I mean, obviously, you're looking for. I guess bad actors opening lots of files and, and reading lots of files or, or reading and writing lots of files and that sort of stuff. Exactly. So we have different assessors is what we call them, looking for different behavior type patterns, right? Things like excessive file activity for reads and overwrites and deletes, as well as things looking for ransomware. So we have specific ransomware accessors as well as generic ransomware accessors. So even if there's something like a zero day, we'll still detect that. The assessors just build up confidence based on the number of uh, you know points or indicators to say, hey, I, I believe this is this. And then as that builds, then we fire off an alert and perform the the reaction. I think that you know it's key to note that we're able to assess for all these behaviors in parallel as we're monitoring uh, the activity and the other key thing that we get a lot of questions about is like, am I going to get a lot of false positives? Right. And nobody wants that because that's kind of, that's another way, you know, an adversary can, uh, can get in is that they throw a lot of false alarms and then the last one's the real one and nobody pays attention to it. So what we don't want to do is overburden the staff. We want our product to be administered by an IT generalist that can be performing both a storage administration function and a security function. And so it, we, we don't have a lot of false positives for two reasons. Some of the things we're detecting don't really have any sort of gray area, right? We know if it's an admin credential that's being used. So if an admin credential is being used and it wasn't approved to be used in that manner, we know that. And that's like a, a hard answer. Yes, this just happened. The other side is looking for things like ransomware or the things that might have a little bit of fuzziness to it, things like data exfiltration. But we are able to use a higher fidelity number, you know, a higher fidelity uh, amount of data that we're using to analyze for each assessor 
traditionally what happens is when you're doing this type of analysis, the storage system would be doing log shipping to some third-party SIM or tool that then either responds back to the storage and says, okay, this is all right, or it just receives it and then eventually crunches on that information and then says, hey, there might be something bad. That could have been happened five minutes ago or it could have happened three days ago, which is usually more the case. What, and that's because there's so much information and metadata about what's happening that it's hard to ship that much data off box. With our architecture, all that information is being analyzed in real time on the controller node itself. And so that's why you know we have a lot of um, horsepower in each one of our storage controllers and we're using you know a modern x86 processor and RAM. So as you're writing and reading data to the system, in RAM, we're able to analyze that using the assessors as well as perform the nor- normal storage functions as well. Yeah, so effectively, you're, you're, you're providing a, sort of a multi, uh, multi-factor, but multi-functionality uh, here from, from both a security perspective as well as a storage perspective, doing all this in real time on the system. And, yeah. and the amount of data that you have to, to look at is, is significantly more than what might be available from a log shipping kind of function. Exactly right. And and that's really the the heart of why we're the only solution in the cyber storage category that does all of this analysis on the controller itself. Our, the other solutions require you to, like you said, log ship or use multiple systems and servers to do that, which adds complexity, which can add latency if you're doing it in real time or false positives. By doing it all in the single product, which we also call cyber convergence, which is basically that convergence of the storage, security, and compliance features, we can be more efficient, eliminate attack vectors, and simplify the whole design and deployment. When you say compliance, you're talking about um, a lot of different definitions of compliance, but you're talking about making sure that users only access the data that they're supposed to and that sort of thing. Is that is that how I read yeah. that? So the way, yes, that's true. And the way I think about compliance too is really you have the security controls in place. So those would be access controls. Those would be rules around the data and, and, and controls around that. Compliance is like the demonstration of, of that those controls are continuously in place. So when you go through an audit, you can demonstrate, hey, these were the only people that access this data. Or if you did have some sort of perceived breach or insider threat, you'd have the reports and information to demonstrate, you know, the controls were there, here's what was accessed, and this is what happened, and these were the actions that were taken by the admin to change the settings or, or do anything uh, to manipulate the system. So you have that demonstration or proof that the controls were properly in place. Oh, so you would provide like a, almost an art report. <laughs> I yep. uh, hesitate to say, uh, on, you know, users are, are accessing the data that they're supposed to be accessing. And, then, and when there's a breach, obviously, you can detect what, what, what went outside that. that uh, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's that. important, too. Like sometimes people just make it, you know, th- there's times where there's the uh, malicious intent and then there's the, the, the uh, it was good intent, but, you know, mistakes are made. Right. And so sometimes maybe somebody provides wide open access to a particular share. Right. You can then go and look and see, OK, well, that was a mistake. We gave all domain users access to this file share that had sensitive information. Then you can go look at the user activity report and see, did anyone that was not supposed to access yeah. it? And, and so that's, that's a nice feature that a lot of customers like as well. Right, 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 right. 
we've mentioned in the past that Racktop Systems uh, is available in a number of different deployment models. Uh, I, obviously, as an appliance, it can be uh, you know a storage system as well as a, as well as a cybersecurity store, file services solution. But it's also available to front end other devices. Yep. Yeah, so it can be deployed the same software as a virtual machine in a hyperscaler or on-prem in your favorite hypervisor. It can be deployed as a turnkey appliance with direct attached storage, like a traditional NAS would be deployed. Or it can be deployed in our what we call our SAN gateway approach, where you provide LUNs via iSCSI or fiber channel from block storage you like, can be heterogeneous, different brands, whatever, to us. And we, we put our software on an x86 server or servers for high availability. And then we present out SMB and NFS uh, cyber storage. It, it's very much deployed like a, NAS, a traditional NAS or as a file server. So it can replace you know, Windows and Linux file servers and give you that secure, added security with cross-protocol support, or it can replace you know, your existing NAS solution too. Well, the nice thing about having that be there is that you could potentially you know, scale it up to a fairly sizable solution and have all your files coming through that system and being scanned and the users being scanned and, and behavioral analysis being done across your whole data environment. Yep, exactly. And it, it is interesting because a lot of customers today don't have a good feel or picture for you know what data is hot, how much data is even being accessed, what data that's on flash maybe could be archived or moved to a cheaper tier of storage, which we also have a solution for. And then you know on top of that, it kind of paints that picture of what's happening in your environment at any time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have that sort of view on that perspective. And you plug into, uh, I'm not sure, it's, it's security. It's not a knock, but it's almost a security version of a knock, right? I mean. Uh, yeah, the security operations center for sure. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. So through webhooks, we can basically tie into the existing tools that are already in place with the SOC. So it's not really, doesn't force any rework of workflows for either the SOC or the NOC. And it really is that drop and replacement with open interfaces. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been great. And it's been a great series of Racktop. Once again, thanks for, for having us. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say to our listening audience before we close? John? Well, thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. I think, you know, one thing, if you want to go to our website and you can even check out our Jumpstart program and download the uh, virtual edition of our software for free so you can try it out in your environment and see how active defense can work to protect your data against any threat. So you got a free version of it that, that the customers could run and try it out and stuff like that. That's new. Is yep. That- uh, it's been around for a little while. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been great, Jonathan. Thanks for being on our show today. And thanks again to Racktop Systems for sponsoring our podcast series. Thanks for having us. And Appreciate it, Ray. That's it for now. Bye, Jonathan. Bye. Until next time. Next time, we will talk to another system storage technology person. Any questions you want us to ask, please let us know. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends about it. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as this will help get the word out. 